And if you grew up in uh, Sunday school, then you are ready to repeat the rest of it. Can anybody do it? And, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Right arm. Okay, now let's do it again. No, I'm just kidding. This is, those are one of those songs that, like, will keep going because it's right arm, left arm. Anyway. Um, Father Abraham had many sons. So we're going to be looking at the life of Abraham the one that's called Father Abraham, the beginning of God's new people, this new covenantal people that he'd set apart. See, Genesis 1 through 11 is a mixed bag. Of course, God created this amazing creation. By the third chapter, it's already fallen. He's made restoration, brought about restoration that that is going to come. There's going to be a new day coming, but in the midst of it, it's not happening, right? So we have Noah. The days of Noah were super gnarly. There was a flood. God destroyed the earth. Uh, Then he starts over again with Noah, big issues again. It eventually leads to the Tower of Babel, where people literally think they can get to God by building a tower. We are so smart, right? They could get get to God by building a tower. The people are scattered. The languages are scattered. And then we see a starting anew, where God's like, I'm going to set up for myself a people that are going to look different than everybody else, and it's going to start with Abraham. So we're going to be looking at the life of Abraham. And once one of the things that we see uh, said about Abraham, he, his faith was accredited to him as what? Righteous. Righteousness, right? And so the life of Abraham is filled with righteousness. We, we note he is not perfect, right? There's some issues, there's some mistakes that he makes, but his life is characterized by faith and righteousness, Okay, so we're going to look at what that means and how that takes shape and form in his life and what that could mean for our life. So if you're not a father, you don't have to turn off your ears. This is applicable to everyone. Um, But we're going to see Abraham is called righteous and he's also called a friend of God. Okay, let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for this time and we we want to hear from you, Lord. We want you to speak to us. We want to come to uh, understand what you want us to know, Lord. We want you to, to touch our hearts and, and open our eyes to see the things that you want us to see. In Jesus' name, amen. James chapter 2, verses 21 through 24 says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith working together with his works and by the works, uh, by the works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Of course, we're not talking about justified in the sense of uh, our, we can't get our own salvation through works, but works has its way of working out in the life of a believer. And that's what we're going to see in the life of Abraham, that there are works that take place because of the change and awareness that he has of who God is. And he was called the friend of God. If, if, if you see someone living in a way that they get characterized as the friend of God, it's worth listening to, isn't it? Right? Isaiah 41.8 says the same thing. But you, O Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. Pretty sweet, right? So Abraham's story starts in Genesis 12. 
We're going to be doing, going through a lot of scripture. Uh, I've got it on the screen here. It might be harder to read, but you could, just, you could just stick with me, okay? You don't have to be flipping as much, or you can. Totally up to you. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 9, starting 1 through 3. Now the Lord has said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God's starting a new thing with Abraham. And he's going to need to leave. But Abraham's going to need to leave his past comforts behind. God's like, I've got big promises for you. I've got big missions, a mission for you, and there's promises attached to it. You're going to be a blessing. You're going to be blessed. Everything you do, I'm going to be there. I've got you. Don't worry about it, but you're going to have to leave the old behind. You're going to have to leave what you knew behind. And and much like Abraham, we're called to leave comfort, which is like the, 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 man, the God probably of our of the world we live in right now, especially in the Western world, is it's comfort, right? It's just keep me comfortable, you know? If I, as long as I'm comfortable, I'm fine. You could do whatever you want as long as I'm comfortable. And of course, you know, we've reaped the whirlwind with this kind of thinking, haven't we? So the mission is not without promise, but it is it's going to be a big deal, right? Leaving everything behind. It will be a great nation. His name will be made great. And he should be a blessing to all the families of the earth. It, it's, and it's blessing. Here's the cool thing. This blessing will lead to blessing beyond just himself. He'll be blessed, but it will be a blessing to the whole world eventually. I love how that plays out in the life of Joseph. And you've probably heard me mention it before. Because uh, I, I wrote a paper on it. So, you know, it's, it's in there. But the life of Joseph, where he keeps this righteousness, this Abrahamic-style righteousness, where he trusts God and believes him, and, and he honors him, even when it didn't really make sense. And we see Joseph used again and again to save lives, and then to save whole people groups because of his obedience. Right? He saved Egypt. He saved Israel because of his obedience and his ability to hear from the Lord. He was used to save them in the midst of a gnarly famine. So our choosing to heed the call will lead to blessing in our life. Let's keep going. So Abraham, verse 4, departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old. Still got any excuses? Uh, When he departed from Haran. Then Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that he had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. Uh, And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abraham, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of uh, Moreh. And the Canaanites were in the land. So he's 75. We'll see, God does a lot with Abraham after he's 75. So, you know, you're, not, you're never too old to be used by God. Then verse 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the, on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. 
So Abraham, here's the land that I'm going to give you. Little problem, right now it's inhabited by the Canaanites. So this is going to be your land, but right now it's tons of people there. You know, that's like stresses me out, right? A lot of times you have that, like you go show up to a baseball field and then there's people on it. And you're like, what do I do? I, we have this time slot, but there's all these people. We're gonna have to kick them off, you know? I was, how's this gonna work out, you know? So Abraham shows up and he sees this, uh, but there's actually more to the problem. The Canaanites there have a God named Baal. And what was customary at this time was these local gods, demonic powers, uh, would be given sacrifices whenever you would enter into this region. So in Baal, you would show up with a sacrifice to Baal to keep what's going on there happy and okay with you. But what does Abraham do? He shows up and he says, oh, this is our land? He builds an altar right in the midst of the Baal land. And he says, this belongs to my God. It's basically an act of war, right? He's stepping up and he's standing up and he's showing loyalty to God, right? So a righteous friend of God is uh, loyal even when it's dangerous. I think that this is something that we absolutely need more of in the world we're living in, right? The way that we represent God. Uh, I've been so into this. I've, been, I've listened and, and been reading a lot about like, Man, it's about allegiance. It's about aligning ourselves with God and saying, where you go, I go. I'm not backing down. I am loyal to you even when it's dangerous. So Abraham, the blessed, the blessing, the righteous by faith is loyal to God even when it's dangerous. Joshua had a similar mindset, right? He says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Loyalty, allegiance, no negotiation, right? Then on to Genesis 15. We're going to be looking at, these are called like the tenets of Abrahamic righteousness. Uh, I've heard multiple people share on this, and I, I just love, like, what made Abraham righteous? What was it about his character that, that showed his faith and his righteousness? Loyalty, even when it's dangerous. Genesis 15, verses 1 through 6 Starting at verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is uh, not, or house is my heir. So he's saying, how can I be a mighty nation with no offspring? You know, I, I, it's, it would be wrong to view this as uh, complaining. It's Abraham making his request known to God. That's good. That's a relationship. That's a friendship. That's like spouse. Like, if you never tell me, I'll never know. Right? Not that God will. He'll know. But that's part of the relationship. He wants us to come before him and say, God, what are you doing? This doesn't make any sense. He's like saying, like, I, I know you said a mighty nation. I believe you. I'm loyal to you. But I don't know what you're doing right now. I'm getting really, really old. And I don't know. You're talking about, like, these, this massive inheritance and, I, and, and, and offspring. And I just don't know how it's going to happen. Is it going to be a servant that's my heir? Can that be your plan? Is that what you're going to do here? It's a logistics issue, isn't it? 
Like, how does this all work out? And if we're following God and honoring God, the logistics is going to be an issue a lot. Because God works outside of logistics. I mean, he works in it too. But a lot of times he's like, faith is going to be outside of like logistics. It might look really, really bad. And that's like kind of when I do what I do. That's kind of like when I swoop in. Because otherwise, you'd be prone to sell a book on what you know. And how you made it through. And all these tactics and strategies. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Just got to follow your heart. No, come on, Abraham. No, it's going to be impossible. You're going to be dead in your body, and then you're going to start having air. So uh, you bring your need. You don't lose hope. He's like, God, here's my problem. I trust you. I believe you, but I'm a little concerned, okay? What are you going to do about this? Verse 4, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. So it's obviously Abraham is not going to father all those personally, but he's going to be, it's the start of something, something that we're all a part of, Right? We're all part of this covenant people before God, right? Ingrafted branches, yes, but it's, the, so that's the stars. He says, Abraham, let me tell you something. Not only am I going to come through, but I'm going to blow your mind with how well I come through. I've got all of this under control. He's old. It doesn't look good. He's called to trust God anyway. He says, Abraham, you're going to have to take my word at this, okay? In a way that makes absolutely no sense from the outside. That's really important to understand right? Loyalty when it's really dangerous. Trust when it makes no sense. This is where blessing lies in following God, isn't it? Trust when it makes no sense. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him as righteousness. Verse 6. There it is. Trust. He believed God at his word. And, and there is a battle going on in our minds. There's a battle going on in our flesh. There's a battle going on in the world for us to not do this, to consider, to think, to come up with our own solutions, to go, you know what? Maybe he didn't really mean it like that. And we have a really good picture of that. That's Adam and Eve. You know what? Maybe, maybe I have a better idea. Maybe... It isn't the way he said it was. So Abraham trusts and believes God at his word. It's not without stumbling. He gets convinced to, um, you know, sleep with his, uh, one of the servants. And, and as we know, Ishmael is born. And there's all kinds of drama with that. But he trusts God. He does. He believes God. He believed in the Lord because we see it here. And he accounted it to him for righteousness. God wants us to believe. It's not blind faith. It's definitely not blind faith because it's actually the most rationed faith. Faith in anything else is kind of like more blind. If you believe that God is the God who created everything, if you believe that he's active and living and real, there is no better choice than to listen to what he says. Everything else will fail us at some point. I had these cable straps, and we were uh, in the mountains over uh, Christmas, and it snowed like crazy. And these cable straps said they were good for however many thousand pounds. 
And uh, our friend's car got like stuck in the snow. It was like all iced over. And so I say, well, let me try and pull you out with this cable strap. And whatever the, you know, massive amount it said it could handle, it could not. It snapped, right? And so if I'm, I'm putting my trust in this cable strap and it's rating and, hey, this is logic, this is science, it did not do what it was supposed to do. I mean, it might have probably said in the fine print, do not pull a huge car out of the snow. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, it, it failed me. Chairs fail us. Ladders fail. I start thinking about that stuff. I'm not like a heights guy. And I start thinking, how good is this ladder? You know, gorilla ladder. Are you really as strong as a gorilla? Even gorillas have bad days. <laughs> you're like, ah. And it's always that, right? Like when you're up above it and you're like standing up and you're like, so if I just let go, it's like over, right? <laughs> That's, this is like sketchy, you know, anyway. So trust is believing God at his word and not trying to finagle with the details. All right, Lord, you said it. I'm going to believe it. So loyalty, right? And this is, by the way, this is how we're a blessing to the nations. This is how we pass this on. We trust or we're loyal to God. We, we really are what we say we are. By the way, if, you're not, if we're not loyal, it is very evident in the way we live. If we're not trusting, it's very evident in the way we live, especially as fathers. This is foundational. So we've got to work this out first, and then we can give it to our children because it's not just what you say, it's what you do. Remember, that's what Abraham was justified by. Not what he said or thought. It's, it was his actual works that were taking place. Not just hearers, but doers, right? Okay, so loyalty, trust, Genesis 18, verses 16 through 19. Uh, Moving further on, what's context? Uh, God's about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's like figuring out what I'm going to do, and, or he's going to say what he's going to do. And so we have this. The men arose from there, looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them and send, uh, to send them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abram what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. The Lord's going to destroy Sodom, and he wants to tell his friend. He's like, I better tell him what I'm going to do because this is my friend. It's time to get out of here, right? Stuff's about to get wild. And you, you know, you're going to have to get out of here right now, okay? Then he says this, verse 19. For I have known him in order that he may keep his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So he says, I've known him and that he, uh, in order that he may command his children in his household. This is the example and this is the legacy that we pass on. Raise the next generation in obedience. This is about obedience, right? Obedience to do what? Not just to believe in righteousness and justice, but to do righteousness and justice. So the word for righteousness is uh, the Hebrew word tzedakah, and the word for justice is the Hebrew word mishpat. And they are all over the Old Testament, over and over again. It is the indictment against the children of Israel and the prophets. Read it. 
And I said, I've shared this before, but just go and start reading through the prophets. I mean, it's unreal how often it is. You don't, don't do just, you don't do uh, justice and you don't do righteousness. And it's both together, justice and righteousness, right? And it's interesting, as I think a lot of times the political ideologies hacked these ideas. And we go, oh, well, this side believes in justice and this side believes in righteousness. And you're like, what? No, it's, you're going to struggle to find that there. It belongs here. And it's both justice and righteousness. That we are just and we're looking for ways to bless and, and help people and do what we can do to help people who are messed up and just cast down. We need to be active in that, right? At the same time, we need to walk in righteousness, right? Righteousness is, uh, we, we, we're given this slate, I guess, that's been cleansed by Christ, but we're called to walk in active righteousness. And we see Abraham, in a sense, doing it by faith, obedience. So the righteous friend of God is obedient, not just hearers, but doers of the word, doers of righteousness and justice. That means when it's been put in front of you, we do it. If I can bring help to the situation, we do it. If I have an opportunity to stand for righteousness, we do it. This makes a big difference, right? This changes things. Genesis 22, our last passage here as we move through the life of Abraham. Genesis 22, verses 1 through 14. Isaac, the son of promise, is born. Okay, His, his trust has been met with provision. God is taking care of what he said he was going to take care of, right? Uh, He's been loyal. It's paid off. God is blessing him. He's trusted him. It's paid off. He's walking in in active obedience and righteousness. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, could you imagine that conversation? Here I am, God. (laughs) What? Okay. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And time is really, uh, and, you know, not being personally involved in this has, has totally made this story tamer than it should be. I mean, this is insane thing to hear, right? Can you hear this? You go, what? Like, hey, you got, and, and a lot of times that's kind of like how it feels, right? Where you're like, God, I've done all these things, and then finally, oh, he comes through. And then you feel like that thing's getting taken away. See, what's amazing is God wants us to always remember that the blessing that he blesses us with the, is not the thing that we worship, but the source of the blessing is the thing we worship. So be easy. Finally, I finally got my son. Oh my gosh, Isaac, he's beautiful. He's wonderful. He's here. And God, and God says, I'm just going to make sure that you don't have your grip too tight on this one. And so he tells him to do something totally radical. Go take up your son and kill him. And you go, what? What kind of a God is this? Who does something like this? Well, you know, you read a little further in the story, you know, anyway. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey. What are we seeing? He's, he's obedient. He's doing it, right? Okay, so he saddled his donkey and took two uh, of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the, for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place 
of which God had told him. Uh, then on third day, third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Here it is, active loyalty, right? I'm gonna do what God tells me to do. I'm trusting him, active trust. I'm trusting him, active obedience. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. All in play here. Verse six, so Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a, uh, and a knife uh, and a knife together. But Isaac spoke to his father, to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Can you imagine how much this would burn you up? You're like, dude, it's you. I mean, that's just got to be so wild. And it's all these opportunities to bail and go, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. You know, it's like hard enough to take a splinter out of your kid's finger, right? <laughs> you're like seeing them squirm and scream and cry. And you're like, this is, oh, I got to do this for you. So verse eight, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. So here's the, the fourth part of Abrahamic righteousness in action, looking for the provision of God through the Messiah, looking for God's provision, believing in his provision, especially through the Messiah, knowing the God who saves, saves. There had to be a plan. So Abraham's hope lies there. God has to have a plan. I don't know what he's going to do. Is he going to raise him from the dead? Is he going to stop me from doing this? I have no clue, but I know he's good. I know he's trustworthy, and I know he'll come through for me. I know he'll save. That's what he does. He'll take care of this, right? So he says God will provide for himself. And, of course, we get this amazing picture through his obedience of the Messiah to come, the loving God who sent his only son son of promise, to die on the cross for the provision of many. So he's looking for the provision of the Messiah. Verse 9, then, the, then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. I think he's, he was really going to do it which is just so wild. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. And it's as it, as it said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. The righteous friend of God looks for the provision of the Messiah. He will come through. And a lot of that understanding of God will come through is, is this is where it gets tricky because sometimes things aren't made right on this side of eternity. 
sometimes things aren't, don't go like you want them to, right? Sometimes you pray for the healing and it doesn't happen, right? Sometimes you, you are looking and you believe and you trust and it doesn't go the way you want it to go. Sometimes things go sideways. Your health goes sideways. Your, your, your finances go sideways. Your whatever it might be, child goes sideways. But it's remembering that trusting in God, that he's good and he's gracious and not backing down, trusting him in the process. I think a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of that helps. One of the things that helps us keep this mindset is we're looking to God uh, as the Savior on this earth, but in, also in the life to come. Some, some of the stuff isn't going to work out here, but we're going to be looking beyond that. Like, you know what? At the end of all this, God has us. And he's going to take us and he's going to make all things right. And so what do we do in the process? We trust him as much as we can. We believe him even when it doesn't make sense. We trust him. We're loyal to him even when there's other gods looming and promising us financial backing and promising us prosperous and promising us comfort. We look to God and we trust him. And him alone. We don't look to the blessings. We look to the blesser. And that's him. The Mosaic law was later given to Moses, obviously, in, at Mount Sinai. And it was to differentiate us from the world, right? It's to, or to the children of Israel from the world. Here's the things you'll do so that you stand out and you look different. And I think it's partially because they didn't get this. They weren't doing this. You live a life like this. This is not just an Old Testament example. This is a New Testament child of God example all the way through. If we model this, like you imagine what kind of like parents we would be, what kind of examples we would be in the world around us. If we choose to be loyal to God alone, we choose to trust him even when it makes, we're loyal to him even when it's dangerous and maybe the times are coming, who knows, right? For many, it's been a, a constant reality throughout all of history, but loyal to him no matter what. Even if you don't feel like it, even if things aren't going our way, we're loyal. We trust him. Trusting him even when it doesn't make any sense. Does not make any sense for an old man to have a baby like that. But I'm going to trust him because he said he's going to do it. And then watching him come through, then we walk in this active place of obedience where we don't let things just go past our eyes because it doesn't affect us. We live for the kingdom to come. We don't just live for, the, for this earth. We're looking beyond this. We want our treasures to be in heaven, not on the earth. So we are looking for opportunities to bring about and to live out justice and righteousness. How can I help those who are, who are hurting? How can I live in a way that's upstanding amidst a culture that is quickly falling off the cliff. And it is exactly to a world just like that that the gospel was given, that Jesus came, and, and, and that the early church was built in. Nothing changed that much, really. There's just waves up and down, up and down, up and down. But this is, is you know, you hear about businesses, you're like, this is a recession-proof business. This is a toxic, horrendous, culture-proof reality. The gospel works. Trusting Jesus works. And the more that we abide in it, 
the more we will see him work in us. And then we have active relationship with him. Because good luck doing any of this without actually knowing him and actually having a relationship with him. It's going to mean there's a lot of questions. It's going to mean there's a lot of like, God, I don't know what's going on right now. I cannot tell what's going on right now. And I don't know how I'm going to make it. And everything is, is getting crazier. And I feel like I'm in a pressure cooker slash an air fryer. You know, <laughs> all the new cooking ways. I'm getting cooked quick. And I, and I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to remain loyal to you. I'm going to keep my trust in you. I'm going to obey what you've already asked me to do and then do it. And I'm going to look for you to be the one that comes through. You're going to be the hero here. You're going to be the hero. I'm looking for you to be the one that comes through as the hero. I, I think that is putting ourselves, you're talking about like, how do you set yourself up for success? Let's call this a place of remaining blessable. Do you guys know we can be, we can put ourselves in a position where we're more blessable than others, other positions? I, I literally feel like the second we decided to get married, blessable. It was like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to like have a, find a place? How are we going to, you know, it was a different time, but it was still expensive. Especially, I'm from the IE. It's expensive out here, you know? And so then we were like, all right, let's do this. And then all of a sudden, boom, doors open up, doors open up, doors open up. Oh, hey, the, by the way, there's really, usually a two-year list on two year wait on this, but is it okay if it's ready the end of October? Well, we're getting married mid-November, so yes. That would be absolutely perfect. So I got to move in and, um, you know, bachelor pad it for like two weeks and then Tori came in and made it nice. <sighs> but it's, it's, it's called, it's, it's putting ourselves in a position where we're most blessable by God. And does it mean everything's going to go your way and everything? We know, but it puts you in a position where God just wants to use and bless us because it's a life of faith. It's a life of belief. We're bringing loyalty. So he knows he's going to get the credit. He's going to get the glory. That remains in a position of being blessable. What do the blessings look like on this side of eternity? We don't fully know. It's not prosperity gospel, but it is a blessable way of living. And sometimes the greatest blessing is not financial gain or status or clout, but good night's sleep. I actually think many people with a ton of money and would, kill, would trade for good night's sleep. Right? For feeling good. If you've got both, God bless you. God's blessed you. <laughs> but don't forget where it comes from. This keeps us in that position of remaining blessed and blessable. We can be called, like Abraham, through our faith in Christ, working out in our sanctification. Because a lot of times we think, oh, we get saved, and then he just kind of he just kind of does it. Yes, he does, but you're part of the process. And that's where we make these decisions. As for me and my house, we are not budging on this one. We are remaining loyal to God, to Yahweh. We are following him. We are doing what Jesus said, not what anyone else says. And it might be dangerous. That's okay. He will be with us. We're going to trust him. We're not going to take shortcuts. We're not going to do think of, of our own ways. We're going to trust him. We're going to believe even when it doesn't make sense. We're going to obey even when it is not 
easy or not fun to do. You know, when it, there's no credit given, there's no whatever. And matter of fact, you could find yourself, uh, no one's patting your back. And as, on the other hand, they're punching you in the back. You know, who knows? And we're going to constantly look to God as the Savior. We are not our own saviors. No one else is our Savior but Jesus. So we're looking to the Messiah to be the one that can save and rescue and help us. We can live as a friend of God, believing, trusting, enjoying one another. And and guess what? The result is, like Abraham, because we're children under his seed, in a sense, we have the opportunity, as we do this, to become a blessing to all. How cool is that? That we become blessings to everyone around us. I think we miss this because we're just stuck in our own world. I feel like in the last, especially like six months or something, God's like opened my eyes to like, look what's around you and look what one little thing, one thing can do to to change the atmosphere around you. Conversation at a baseball game, right? Entering into someone's, you know, pain, whatever. We have opportunities to become blessings to those around us, just like Abraham. And as we do this and we remain blessable, we put ourselves in a position where where God is pleased, we're doing what he's asked us to do without changing anything around, like, you know, you know, fudging the numbers. We will be blessed and we will be a blessing. And that's the heritage we want to leave. So fathers, mothers, those who don't have children, those who are uh, living in the world and have opportunities to talk to people you surf with or, or you, you know, skate with or you, um, you know, whatever, shop next to. Did I miss anything? I'm just kidding. You're like, everything. You missed everything. Work with whatever it is. We have this opportunity to stand out in loyal obedience, trusting in God, being and, and doing looking to Him for everything, saying, God's God's got this. I trust you, I trust you. Even though it doesn't make any sense, I trust you. And we can raise our kids like that. We can influence the next generation to say, My parents didn't just say they believed in God, they really did believe in God. How do I know this? Well, it's pretty obvious. Because <laughs> no one else would do that if they didn't believe it. 